Good morning, Crossbridge family, and welcome to Crossbridge Online. It's so good to be with you this morning, and if you're joining us for the first time, I want to welcome you and just say thank you so much for joining this community as we pursue Jesus together. And I want to let you know that my hope for you is the same as my hope for every single person that is with us at Crossbridge and who joins us online, and that is simply this. No matter where you find yourself in your faith today, I hope and I pray that you are able to take one step towards Jesus because that is what we are all about here at Crossbridge. You've come while we are winding down to the end of our series called Pathways. And there's a couple things that you're going to need with you as we continue in this series and close it out. You're going to need a Bible with you. You are going to need your journal with you. And if you need this, there's a link right in the description to the PDF of of your trail guide. And you're going to need a pen so that you can kind of take some notes and kind of keep up with us as to what we're doing. And I do want to tell you this too, as we're journeying through this, I know that many of you, you kind of want to go back and revisit some of these steps, revisit some of the the lessons that we've had together from Jesus. And all of these videos are stored right over on our YouTube page. If you search Crossbridge Community Church, New Jersey on YouTube, you will find all of our Pathways series on there. Feel free to view them, to share them. Subscribe on YouTube to make sure that you get those videos and you can always have access to them. I promise you this, you're going to need to revisit these steps in your faith. And I know that because I have needed it. If you would, would you turn with me in your Pathways Guide to Confession? And that's where we're gonna be today, is the step of confession. And if you have your Bibles with you as well, I would love for you to turn to the Gospel of John, the biography of Jesus written by one of his best friends. And we're gonna be in chapter 20, in chapter 20. So as you're turning there, I do wanna just tell you a story that may be somewhat familiar to those of you who call Crossbridge your home, because I've shared this before, uh, but I, I feel like it's really important to set this up. I have grown up for the most part in my life in the evangelical church. I've grown up in the church where we have looked at this idea of confession as a very private thing. This is between me and God, and this is how I've practiced this discipline, if you will, and this practice of my Christian life, of confessing my sin. It's me and God. Sometimes I'll grab my journal, I'll put it down there, and you know, I can feel it a little more when I see the things that are written in my journal. But Honestly, I'll tell you, as I've journeyed through this, I've always felt like there's a bit of an incompleteness to this. I felt like if I was walking through the forest and this has been my stick and I've had something to lean on, I felt like this wasn't here, that it was gone and there was nothing to my faith because it it just didn't feel like I was always forgiven. Now, I know that the Bible tells me I'm forgiven, but I had a really hard time believing that. It didn't feel complete, if you will. Well, fast forward in life to a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of taking a sabbatical here at Crossbridge, and I told you in week six, I believe it was, about the nightmare of the retreat that I went on. That was a silent retreat that I took with a Jesuit community. And if you don't know anything about the Jesuit community, it's an amazing, amazing group of of Jesus followers who are in the Catholic faith. And so I found myself on this silent retreat, but one of the services that they were holding was a service of reconciliation. Now, having very little to no Catholic background myself, I was like, yo, this service sounds pretty cool. And there's gonna be people there and someone's gonna be talking 
that's needed in this retreat of silence for me. So I was like, oh, I'll go, I'll check it out. Little do I know that this is a service built around and to culminate into this confession. And people and all of these guys that I'm surrounded by are moving into confession. And I kind of sat there and I thought, I don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't know how to sit with a father and, and I, I don't know what to do. And I don't even know where to begin. And I remember the father who was teaching, his name was Father Kirk. He said, you know what? I could see that some of you are wrestling and almost like he read my heart. He said, here's the best way for you to approach this time of confession because with as many guys as we have here, this could take hours upon hours. So let's just focus in our time a little bit. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Spend some time in silence asking God, where have I fallen short in loving you? Where have I fallen short in loving people? And where have I fallen short in serving my neighbors? I don't know if you know the vision of Crossbridge's loving God, loving people, and serving the world. I literally stopped and thought, is he, does he know this? What does he know about, does, did, does he listen to our messages? Like, how would he know to ask those questions? But I could see every guy engaging it. And it really was this Holy Spirit moment for me to say, Jimmy, you need to engage in this process of confession because is your life lining up with the mission and the vision of the church that you get the privilege of leading? And so I journaled and I had all this stuff and I strategically made my, myself the last person in line because I didn't want someone to be waiting on me. I was hoping to kind of hear what people did before me, so I knew. And I lined up because they had two different you know, fathers here in confession. And I lined up with the guy that I didn't necessarily connect with, but his line was a little longer, so I thought I could stall. I finally get into the room, into this library, and I sit down and he looks at me. And I look at him. And he looks at me. And about a minute goes by in silence. And I simply said, hey, Father, listen, I I've never done this before. Is there something I need to do to get this started? Like, do I just jump in? Like, what do we do? And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You've never done confession before? I was like, well, not like this. And he's like, are you even Catholic? I said, no, I'm an evangelical pastor. And he's like, you're a Protestant pastor? I said, yeah. He goes, I can't hear your confession. And I, I won't lie to you, Crossbridge. I sat there devastated in that moment, wondering, well, why can't you hear the sin that I'm carrying? I need to get this off my chest. I want someone to hear this. Why won't you hear this? I was shot down. And, and please hear me. I am not bashing or thrown shade at the Catholic faith in the Catholic Church any, by any means here because the other father, Father Kirk, in that moment, um, I think he had seen some devastation on me after that moment and kind of said, yeah, all right, and we had a chance to talk a little bit about that moment and he later heard my confession. I'll tell you about that after, but I knew something was off. I knew that I wanted my sin to be heard, my heart to be exposed. And the Holy Spirit in that moment actually kept pushing me back to John chapter 20, where I've had you turn. And so I, I kind of want to unpack John chapter 20 with you in just a, a handful of verses and invite you into a story of Jesus that has transformed the way that I view this idea of confession that we're talking about, not as, as a 
I have to sit and talk to a father about this or priest about this or pastor about this, but, but something that has transformed my life and how I understand what confession really means and what Jesus calls us to as a church family. So would you join me in this terrifyingly beautiful passage in John chapter 20? We're going to pick it up in verse 19. And in verse 19, it says this, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Um, Let me pause here. Uh, The disciples are waiting because it's now Sunday, and on Friday, their leader, Jesus, the Messiah, was crucified on a cross. And he was buried and, and just guarded on Saturday in an empty, in a filled tomb with Jesus. And then on Sunday morning, these women run to the tomb to finish the job of the burial preparation stuff. And they realize that Jesus isn't there. And Mary, one of those women, ends up talking to Jesus. Jesus even calls her by name. And she knows that voice. She knows that tone. She knows who he is. So she darts back to tell all the disciples. And the disciples right here, we find that they're behind locked doors because the Roman guards are gone. They're all sharing stories now, the Pharisees and the Romans, about how the disciples came to steal the body. So they are fearful that they are next on the cross. They are hiding and they don't know how to really handle all the information from these women. And with nobody in the tomb, They're terrified they're next. The tension in this story, you need to understand, from that one verse is very, very high. Let's continue. It says, Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. They're terrified, and then, poof, Jesus just shows up in the house. Um, Jesus' desire here is not to freak them out, and so I think that's why he says, peace be with you. He has to say it twice, because the first time, I don't know about you, but I don't like when someone scares me in my house, and now a a man you thought was dead is now alive, and he's like, hey, what's up? Oh, you're freaking out. Peace be with you. Like, hang on. Slow your roll here. It's okay. Peace be with you. Relax. And when they calm down, they're filled with joy. And what does Jesus say to them? Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Jesus is telling them that their primary role from this point out is to recognize that he's come from God, which they know, and he's saying, now you are going to go out. You are not to stay here. I am sending you as I was sent And as we read this passage, we've got to ask the question that the disciples would be asking, like, cool, where are you sending me? What what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? Like, I'm lost. I'll do what you want, but what is it? And that's when we stumble upon a verse or set of verses here that is so often taken out of context. But we have to get that this is from a resurrected Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to a group of terrified disciples that he has just commissioned to go. And what are they to go and do? And right here, check out verses 22 and 23. I love this. It says, then he breathed on them 
and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, this is amazing. This is huge. And I want to I point out two things in here, and I know there's some confusion to this, so I want to pull out two quick things. The first thing is that Jesus breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. The last time that we received this breath is actually found back in the creation story that we talked about last week. Do you remember when Jesus creates everything and blesses it? On the sixth day, he forms man out of the dust, and we read that he breathes life into Adam, breathes life into person, into man. And we have humanity existing because God breathed life into us. And now the resurrected Savior is coming back to his disciples. And what does he do? As God sent him, he sends his disciples. And he knows they cannot do this on them their own. So he, he breathes life into them. And that life is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit who Jesus lived his human life through. Everything he did was contingent on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. They were unified in what they did. And these two verses here bridge this gap from the Old Testament to the New Testament to us that we, as disciples of Jesus, We aren't just living life. We are living a new life when we accept Christ into our life, when we dedicate our life to him. He says, I am breathing something new into you. I am breathing the person of the Holy Spirit into you. Why? Well, it's the second piece of this verse that's so important. It's for the forgiveness of sin. It's for the forgiveness of sin. And I need to tell you that sin is the biggest issue that any of us will ever deal with in our life, our outward life and our inward life that we have to wrestle through. The biggest issue in life that we will ever have to deal with. It is not coronavirus. It is not virtual schooling. It is not singleness or married life or divorce life or parenting or work or money. None of those things compare to the issue of sin in our life. And when I use the word sin, I very simply mean this. Anything that we think, say, or do that displeases God, that does not line up with living a life the way that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, would live his life. These two verses here bring us back to creation and then they send us out with the greatest gift ever, the privilege and the mandate to invite everyone that we come in contact with into the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers. Before we could be sent though, we have to, I believe, embrace the truth that we are forgiven. We can't go out and tell others about Christ and the forgiveness through his blood and his death resurrection. We we can't do that unless we ourselves have embraced it. And listen, I, I know 
that Crossbridge is made up of so many different people. It's one of my favorite things about our church, that people are, are scattered when it comes to where they are in their faith. There are some of you who watch so faithfully in and out every single week, and you are searching out Jesus Christ. You are curious about him and what it means to follow him. And all I wanna do is tell you this, please hear me, I love you but you will never find satisfaction in life without trusting in Jesus Christ. There will always be sin and issues in your life that you think that you can work through. You think that you can get counseling through, therapy through, medicate yourself or through something else to deal with something that only Jesus Christ can bring life to, to breathe into you the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now. Before we ever jump into anything else about what it means to take this with us, if you have not done that, I can't imagine anything better to kick off a a, a new holiday Advent season than to trust and to place your trust into Jesus Christ. And so if that's something you've never done, I just want to invite you to do that right now with me. Um, Wherever you are, just go ahead and and just pray this along with me. If you're at home, pray it out loud. If you feel uncomfortable with that, that's okay. Pray it in your heart and, and, and quietly if you're at a watch party or whatever, but would you pray with me? Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner, that there are thoughts, deeds, actions in my life that do not line up with what you want from me. I confess my sin to you. I place my trust in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I could live and love like Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit. Teach me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, all I want to do is ask for you to drop, drop us an email at prayer at crossbridgecc.org. All we want to do is connect with you and help walk with you through this Pathway series, through what it means to read the Bible, and to help you take your next steps in your faith because you just took a massive, massive step. Thank you for trusting in Jesus Christ. I promise your life will never be the same. For those at Crossbridge who you have placed your trust in Christ, you would call yourself a disciple of Jesus, a Christian. Um, I need to tell you that there is something very important for us, that confession is not just something we do when we pray to receive Jesus, but confession is something that we are in a constant rhythm of doing. And I truly believe that some of us has become, have become so complacent with sin in our life that things that should grate us, things that, that we know are sin, no longer bother us. And when we get to that place, we are in a very, very dangerous territory spiritually. We are, and we can never become complacent or satisfied or comfortable sitting in the sin that's in our life. And so I want to call you to a place, Crossbridge, for those who follow Jesus, to a place of constant confession, constant confession. And when I do this, 
I want to make sure that you understand that this is an invitation to a gift, not a guilt of something that you're going to have to do when this is all over. Pray so many things or go do nice things uh, because there is nothing that you could do or pray that's going to outweigh the sin that you have. Only Jesus Christ can take care of that and he has on the cross. And so we're going to have to learn what that means. But here's what I know. Confession gets really hard and there's a tension in it. And the tension simply is this. It's talked about in church and with people. And confession has to do with sin. And I understand that in many communities, especially faith communities, there's an expectation that you have to live a perfect life, that you have to be a person who doesn't sin. And so when we come into this community of faith, we believe that we need to live here, but we all feel here, don't we? We all feel at this very washed out place, but so many of us put on this front. We put on this mask where we fear letting someone know the issues that we wrestle with simply because we're worried we won't belong. And too often, I believe that we view the church as solely a community of saints and not a community of sinners. There's a huge issue with that because who did Jesus hang around with? Did he hang around with the saints? Did he hang around with the experts? No. He hung around with the sinners. He hung around with those who needed a doctor and said, this is who I've come for. If you are part of the Crossbridge family, you are sick and full of sin, just like your pastors, just like your staff, just like your board. We are sinful people and we are a collection of sinners who have been saved by grace and grace alone, and desire to live a perfect life because that's what God's called us to, to be perfect, as our Heavenly Father is perfect, but we will always be in this wrestling match of sin, confession, redemption, sin, confession, and healing, sin, confession, and restoration. Crossbridge, I need you to hear me. We cannot be a church that pretends to be filled with saints but we are filled with sanctified sinners. And sanctification simply is the process of becoming more like Christ. And I want to invite you into that. When we view the church as a place of perfection, we hold ourselves and the community around us to a standard that only Jesus Christ could live out, a life of perfection. And so we have to find ourselves in a place now where, yes, we're called to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, but we recognize that we're sinful people. So the questions that we have are simply this. If we're called to be on this Appalachian trail of Jesus, taking the slow, intentional steps, what happens when we trip? What happens when we fall? What happens when we miss the mark and get off the path? What happens when we find ourselves walking this life, not living, looking, or loving like Jesus Christ? What do we do when sin enters in? And this is where the step of confession comes into play. It is the gift of God into our life to fight against and deal with the sin in our life. And I would argue based on John chapter 20 and a couple of other passages, simply that this is that we really need to embrace this idea of true confession. And we need each other to do this. I really do think the Protestant and the evangelical church has done a great disservice 
to privatizing confession, to making confession something where I had believed for so long was between me and God solely and my journal, and no one else needed to know what I was dealing with. I feel like it becomes, and maybe you have felt this, it still feels incomplete. I know that I am forgiven, but it just doesn't feel complete. And I think it's because I've never allowed other people into that confession. Jesus calls the disciples to be sent and to be forgiving in community. That means sin would be confessed in community. And why would he call us together to be involved in this idea of confession and forgiveness? And it's simply because of this, is because sin has this ability to isolate and to separate us from God and community. Sin has this ability to, and I know that sounds weird, if you are in a, the context of a, church, context of a church, you're probably asking yourself, like, why, why would I tell people about my sin? We're supposed to be sinless. We're supposed to be getting better. Why would I confess my sin? It's going to separate me from people when the truth is, if we don't start to confess it, we begin to hide it. And the enemy, the devil, does everything he can in his power to keep us believing that our sin needs to be hidden, that our sin needs to be in the corner of our interior lives, the corner of our hearts and the rooms that we have here saying, don't let anyone know. If they know about that, you'll never be accepted there. You'll never be part of it. And we sit in these places of isolation all by ourselves, and we wonder why we feel so alone, why loneliness builds up. It's because sin separates us, and that's where the enemy wants us. He's like a lion who separates the one from the crowd, and that's dinner. We need to stay with the herd on this. We need to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives through Jesus Christ to say, would you take these lights and shine them into the darkest corners of my life so that I am exposed? You see, I think we spend so much time tripping over the furniture in our room and the lights are out and we're saying, why do I trip? Why do I fall? We complain about the life that we live saying, why can't I get over these things in my heart? Why can't I ever fight that sin? And the problem is it's because the lights are out. We've got no illumination in our hearts. It, it, it reminds me of 1 John. If you want to turn, 1 John will be all the way at the end of your Bible. Go to Revelation, turn back a couple chapters. And in the first chapter of 1 John, uh, oh my gosh, I love this. It says this, starting in verse 5. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. If we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we claim to have no sin, we are only 
fooling ourselves and not living out the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. This imagery is so amazing, isn't it? That God is light and, and sin is our darkness. And we're saying to God, I want to follow you. I want to be in unity with you. And in order to do that, he's saying that you've got to let me in. You've got to let me shine this light to the things that you've been trying to hide, the things that you've been trying to cover up to make sure that no one knows about those secrets. You will never find freedom unless the light shines on it and it is exposed. And when the light shines on our sin, it is not to shame us. It is not to guilt us. It is not to prove how horrible we are, but it is so that we would find freedom so that we can reorganize that room, take the baggage that's in there and give it to Jesus to say, I am done wrestling with these sins. You have got to take it. In your light, would you take all sin on you as you did on the cross? Because I can't deal with this. But when that light is on, it's not only us who could see, but it's the community. It's those who are around us. And God does not shame us in our sin, but invites us to receive forgiveness. He doesn't breathe on the disciples and say, here's the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you to go make everyone feel really guilty. So make sure they confess their sin and then tell them how much they suck. It'll be great. Tell them that they'll never get better. Tell them there's no hope for healing. No, 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our rooms are a mess. And Jesus is saying, when you begin to point out what's a mess, I can clean that up. I have paid for your sin. There is nothing so great, nothing so dark, nothing so big that I cannot take care of that. It has been covered. And I believe today is the day that some of you need to hear that, that the sin that you have been carrying, that you think no one will understand, Jesus says, I've understood. I've covered it. My hope is that you wouldn't have to carry that and that you would trust those sins, those issues, those baggage, and bring them into the light through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit so that you would live a free life, that you would not live tripping in the dark of your internal life. I, I, I can't see you right now, but that's an amen moment, right? Do you know that you are forgiven? If you know that you're forgiven, just turn to the people at your watch parties, at your home churches, in the comments, and just, just tell them, I'm forgiven. Write that in the comments right now. If you have placed your trust in Jesus, say, I'm forgiven. You need to hear that. You need to know that. You need to declare that. You're forgiven. I'm forgiven. So as the disciples of Jesus... In the 21st century, how do we redeem this idea of confession that many of us have grown up either feeling baggage from, from having to get into this closed room and kind of say it to one person, not have any relationship with them, get bonus points if you see them or you don't, or, you know, like, how do we deal with this? Or when we've grown up knowing and believing it's just between me and God, and if I confess between me and God, it'll be fine, and yet find ourselves confessing the same sins over and over and over for decades. 
what do we do now? And so here, here's some quick steps to stepping into confession in the 21st century here in Crossbridge family. The first thing I want you to do is to take an internal inventory. I need you to take an internal inventory. I love how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 139. If you read this amazing psalm, when you get to the very end, I believe it's verses 23 and 24, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I would encourage you to begin a time of confession by asking God to reveal to you what you don't even know. I am positive in this that I sin and I don't even know that I sin, that I do not line up with living the life of Jesus, and I need the Holy Spirit's discernment, his wisdom, his help to look at my own heart and my own mind to say, why did I do that? Reveal to me the things that I don't even know. If you're still wrestling, I would encourage you. Last week, we looked at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. I would highly encourage you, go and use the Ten Commandments as a mirror. I think it was what Martin Luther did all the time. He looked at the Ten Commandments and went through them and said, where am I not lining up with this right now? Where am I making idols of things, not honoring the Sabbath, not loving? Um, you know, where am I cheating? Where am I stealing? And he began to just make this inventory using that as his mirror. I would encourage you to Google search 59 one another's. It's this beautiful, beautiful compiling of all the things that Jesus calls us to, as well as the writers in the New Testament, to do to one another, to forgive one another, to love one another, to serve one another, all these one another's. And if you're thinking, I line up with all the Ten Commandments, I got these down. Yeah, but what about the one another's? Are you living life not concerned with what you aren't doing, but are you truly living out a life like Jesus? That's where I wrestle so much, so much. I want you to take these inventories, and I know this sounds a little wild, but I, I would love for you to write it down. Grab a scrap piece of paper and begin to write down all of these things. And here's why, because your second step after you take an internal inventory is to find a trusted Christian friend or group. Find a trusted Christian friend or group. I first start by saying Christian because if someone does not understand what it means to be forgiven, they are simply going to give you therapy. They're not going to offer you forgiveness. I love my counselor and he helps me work through many, many things in my life. But there's nothing like my best friends who are disciples of Jesus who offer me forgiveness, who point me to the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And when I use the word trusted, I, I probably shouldn't need to say this, but I need to say it anyway, and that's um, not everyone at church can be trusted. Not everybody is safe with your sin. And I say that because there are just some people with really loose lips. There are some people who, um, they're, they're not safe when you begin to bring things up because they'll share it as a prayer request here or a thought over there. And, and there comes this moment when you're like, oh, I shared a little thing and they shared it. I can't do that. So you need to kind of find people that you trust. And, and the best people to trust are the people who you know have been forgiven. 
you'll have to test this out. You'll have to figure out who is trusted and who is not. And I know for me personally, one of my favorite, uh, I, on staff, we, there is a high trust factor on staff that when there's sin in our life, that we are wrestling with, whether it's with tension with each other, with things happening in church or personal life, that we can bring those things to the table. And we can confess sin saying, I, I need help here. This has happened on our staff where we have dealt with big things and reminded each other, you're forgiven because it's trusted. I love the fact that my Wednesday night group of guys, I need to tell you, this is about as raw and confession is like a regular part of our group. And it has taken a while, but I mean, you want to talk about love and freedom. We sit around a fire pit together. It could be freezing or whatever. We're talking about singleness issues, marriage issues, lust issues, anger issues, financial issues, work issues, pride issues, addiction issues. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Some could have such a garbage week. They're going to walk in, sit in their lawn chair with a mask and be like, this week was the worst. And here's what happened. Blah! And their sin is laid out all over. And what in that context of our group do we do? We hear that confession. We hear that spilling out of sin. And we remind each other, we look each other in the eyes and we say, you are forgiven. And in the words of Jesus, now go and sin no more. It's not like, a, oh good, you get a pass now that it's out there. No, there's accountability to it. There's this community to say, oh, you've wrestled with these sins. Great, we're gonna ask you next week how that's going since you said it's your issue great, I invite the accountability. You see why we need each other? But that takes trust. That takes building. I know our Thursday night women have accountability partners that you invest in, you love, and you coach with each other. You ask the tough questions. This is the beautiful freedom that confession brings is you don't carry it alone anymore. That it's weighing on someone else and they're praying for you. They're reminding you of what you already know. And I'm telling you now, if you do not have a small group and you're part of Crossbridge, you need other believers. If you think you could do this all by yourself, the enemy has you right where he wants you. You cannot, none of us can. We need each other. The third thing is to be ready to receive. Confession has this way when we confess to invite others to do the same. When we say at Crossbridge that we value transparent relationships, I know it drives people away from our church as much as it draws them into our church, that what you see is what you get. I am a messy pastor. We have a messy staff. But when you begin to say, here's the sin that I do wrestle with in your safe, trusted relationships, what usually tends to happen is it comes back. And they begin to see this transparency and they say, well, you seem free, then here's the things that I've been dealing with. And when that happens, you need to be in a place where you understand in your forgiveness, you get the privilege of sitting in and being the person of Jesus for them. I want to encourage you in those moments, remain quiet. Listen intently. Look them in the eyes and be praying for them internally the entire time they are talking to you. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom as to when to speak. Don't try to solve their problems, but when that confession is done, look them in the eyes and remind them, you are forgiven. They need to hear those words. Be sure in that moment that you pray over them 
to find healing from whatever it is that they're dealing with. Follow up with those people as regularly as they need with love, with compassion, with a ton of grace because they will likely fail again and they don't need to know that you're shaming them, but that you're calling them into something greater that God has for them. Freedom. Because this is what God brings. When you find a relationship like this, or you find a group like this, you have hit gold. Stay there. Don't lose those relationships. They are so difficult to come by. Celebrate those things. Party with those people. Experience freedom with them. And the last thing in, that I want to encourage you with in this, these steps is to um, keep your accounts short, but don't always deep dive. Um, I, I've taken different seasons of my life where I have what's called a sin journal, and I will take a journal and I will begin to write down every sin that I could possibly think of that I have committed. Sometimes I break it down into seasons of my life, um, months of the year, whatever, and I try to catalog as much of my sin on paper as I can. And as I do this, I, I'm talking pages upon pages of a sinful life, and then out loud, I begin confessing those sins to God and to my accountability partner. We will dedicate one to two hours to confession in those times. I don't do this often simply because it would absolutely destroy me. It, it would just destroy me. I would become so depressed looking at all of that all the time. But I do believe there are times when we need to deep dive to realize the depth of our sin because in those times we realize the greatness and the vastness of God's love for us, how big his forgiveness is. So in order to avoid those deep, really big ones, I try to keep my accounts short on the day. And so when I find myself in sin, I will often look uh, at my wife and say, I've sinned, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? To my children, I have sinned, I am sorry, would you forgive me? To our staff, to my neighbors, to our friends, when sin happens, I do my best to confess in that moment because then it's short accounts and I receive the forgiveness that people have for me. And the truth is, I just don't want to live in the dark because hiding sin is so much more difficult than having it out there. Hiding things, we begin to lie over and over about what we do. But you need to experiment with your seasons. What is it in your sin patterns when you begin to look at all of these things that you say, oh, I've got a pattern of pride here that's bubbling up. And you may see an area of your life that God's saying, do you see this pattern? I don't need to deal with all these behaviors. But your heart is prideful and I, I want to deal with that because it'll impact everything else. And I, I say it all the time, I'm gonna say it again over the last couple of weeks. Go get this book. Go get this book. It's Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I've used this in every, most our messages here together. And if for nothing else, just jump to the back of this book and you're gonna wanna read all about confession and community and how it works together because I, I wish that what I'm saying now, I could just read this to you because it's that good. We need each other. I need you. you. You need your families. You need your small groups. You know, when I went to that father and he told me I can't hear your confession, when Father Kirk pulled me aside, he heard my confession 
on where I was falling short of loving God, loving others and serving the world. He just listened to me. That's all he did, he just listened. And for 20 minutes, I just went on. And then with a smile on his face, he just looked at me and he reminded me of what I already knew. He said, Jimmy, by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Now go and love well. He didn't tell me to go do a bunch of things, say a bunch of things, but he called me to look like Jesus. Go and love well. In Crossbridge, as we look at confession together, I dream about being a church that does not take sin lightly, that does not pass over it or say, oh, that's fine, it's just a little thing, because every sin in our life separates us from God and we have to deal with all those things. And it will never happen if we hide it and tuck it in the corner and never invite the love and the light of the Holy Spirit of God into our life. I dream about being church that not just doesn't take sin lightly, but that invites people into the freedom that the light of God brings in their world, into their life. That when they see you and they see me, they say, how can you live a life with a smile on your face and, and as giddy and as stupid as it looks, it's just simply because I've been forgiven. This is what I need. I dream of being a family to first remind people wherever we go that they are forgiven because of Jesus. That we are inviting them into what we already know. Crossbridge, I want to invite you into confession. Into this discipline, not by yourself, but in a safe community to find healing, to find freedom. Crossbridge, because of Jesus, you are forgiven. Go and love well.